Oh my, is that your king? You know that man preached that 50 years ago and it's still anointed because it's still true. Ha ha, glory be to God. We're going to talk about Jesus as king. You know, Gabriel came to Mary and said that he will be great and that he will take the throne of his father David. Throne. Already setting it up. This baby's going to be a king. He said he's going to take the throne of his father David. He will reign. Reign. What do kings do? They reign. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom. And of his kingdom, a king has a domain, kingdom. King has a domain. His kingdom will be forever. Hey, I'm in that kingdom. Are you in that kingdom? Glory be to God. Let's get to the notes. Anybody need notes? Oh, come on. Ushers, where you at? Where you hiding? All right, just just a minute. uh, There he goes. Looking for him. Smile at somebody. Say, get ready. We're going to have a good time today. Jesus is king. But the question is, do you know him? He is king. You know, not everybody in this world knows him. And you can know him and not serve him. Ooh. And so let's dig into this number one. Get your notes out. Number one, if you're taking notes, write it down. Jesus came as the gentle king. My, my, my. I'm so glad that Jesus is full of grace and mercy, full of kindness, that he came as the gentle king. He came as the gentle king. Look, he's the servant king. He came to seek and serve that which was lost. He found me. He found you. We're going to read Matthew 21, starting at verse 5, but let me tell you about this. This is prophecy fulfilled. This is Jesus coming in Jerusalem, and we call it Palm Sunday because they laid palm branches down. This is, uh, uh, not only is it uh, prophecy fulfilled, but there's all kinds of symbolism in what took place. And so we're going to read it as a story because that's what it is. It's a true story of Jesus marching in. And, and so this is Zechariah. It starts off, well, I'm starting off with Zechariah's prophecy. Just to back up a little bit, Jesus sent two disciples ahead into town and said, hey, you're going to find a donkey and a foal. Uh, grab those and bring them to me. And if somebody asks you, what are you doing with my donkey and the foal? Say, the master has need of them. And so here they come. They come with the donkey and the foal. And, and look what happens. Uh, this is Zechariah said, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey a coat, a foal of a donkey. Now, I've heard it was a miracle that he rode a donkey that had never been ridden before. But how about talking about meek and lowly? He's riding a donkey that his feet are dragging the ground. Yeah? Talking about humble, talking about a servant, talking about he's king, but he's a king that came to serve. And he's riding on this donkey. And so verse 6, so the disciples went and did as Jesus had commanded. They brought the donkey and the coat. And the, the donkey represented peace for a king. When Solomon became king, they put him on the king's mule. Now, I like mules. They're a little bit smarter than horses. You say, man, you're crazy. Well, I, I've had to get horses out of fences hung up. A mule get itself out. But ride the king's mule means Solomon's entering into a reign of peace. Jesus came with a reign of the peace of God. 
come riding in on a donkey. And so we're going to break it down as we go. And they, and they look, and so he's on a colt. They laid their clothes upon, uh, upon the donkey, and, and they set him on the donkey. And verse 7, they brought the donkey, and they laid his clothes on him. Uh, the, uh, this, this is the king's gentleness. Thank God we serve a, a, a king. You know, people preach that Jesus is going to get you. God's going to get you. Well, you are already being God if he was going to get you. Because God don't miss. If he's going to, you know, shoot, if Jesus is going to shoot something at you, slingshot, he's going to hit you. God's not after to get you. He's wanting to get you saved and into his kingdom. He's not out to get you and hurt you and beat you up. It's amazing to me that people want to preach that stuff, but they never have a testimony of it. You know, people that got saved have testimony they got saved. People that got healed have testimony they got healed. But, you know, people want to talk about God's, God's coming and, and his wrath coming. They never testified that it, the wrath, his wrath came on them. Okay, I'm just saying. Come on, God, God, you reap what you sow. Quit sowing to evil and you won't reap evil. Come on, Jesus has helped you to guide you out of evil into his grace and mercy, into his kingdom. And so uh, he, this donkey represents that Jesus, he rode that, that, you know, a king's supposed to ride on a war horse. And a war horse is bigger than normal horses, powerful animal. And, you know, it's dressed up and ready for battle, and so is the king. And, and you know what? Uh, so is all of the king's warriors. They, you know, you got cavalry. And they're dressed up on those horses, and they're powerful, and they, they bring fear. If you're on foot, and you got five horses coming at you, you're going to shuck and run, climb a tree, do something, right? Verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches, and other, uh, trans, and other uh, the gospels that said palm branches, which represent victory. Well, wait, pastor, he's going to the cross. Victory, victory. The branches from trees spread on the road. In verse 9, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out and said, Hosanna to the son uh, of God, of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And I always thought Hosanna was praise. But if you look where that comes from, it comes from Psalms. And in Psalms in 118.25, it says, save now, I pray. Save now. That's Hosanna. Save now. Heal now. Hosanna. Save now. Heal now. Come, save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Psalm says, bring prosperity. Come on, if, if, you're, if you're sick and in a wheelchair, prosperity ain't got nothing to do with you. Prosperity is everything. Bring prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're talking about our king today. He's our king. He's our king, and he has done some things for us, and we're going to get into that. But we're looking that Jesus came his last week. He's riding on a donkey coming into Jerusalem, and he's coming as the humble king that he was. The humble, awesome king that he was. Do you know Jesus is king, is still power, his king, he's still powerful. And of his kingdom, it is powerful. But I want to read a story to you right quick. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to the, some of the ladies and the greeters and stuff. And, you know, bear hunters talk about bear hunting. If you get around bear hunters, you're going to hear about bear hunting, right? 
If you go and talk about uh, lawyers, they're going to talk about cases that they've uh, uh, they've fought and won or whatever. Doctors, whatever spe they specialize in, they talk about that. Well, this story, it comes from Napoleon Bonaparte, who was a king, who was a warrior king, and he knew something about other kings. Matter of fact, he studied them, so he knew how to, he would know how to defeat them. You with me? So stay with me at this story now. I'm going to try to make it as interesting as I can, but it is very interesting if you'll pay attention. And so Napoleon Bonaparte on Jesus Christ, and I'm going to add his king. Whether the world, world conqueror Napoleon Bonaparte became a Christian or not, he did understand the superiority of Christ's empire to his own. When conversing, as his habit was, about great men of the ancient world and comparing himself with them, because he was a little bit of conceited dude, you know, uh, and it was his habit to talk about great men, uh, he turned to his sidekick, which, and I imagine that, which was Count Montalon, and they, they fought in battles together. He was one of his generals. And he said, can you tell me who Jesus Christ was? And the count, knowing that Napoleon knows everything, and his answer wouldn't be count, you know, count for anything, and I'm adding that too, but that is true, he declined the question. He said, well, then I'll tell you. He said, Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I myself founded great empires. But on what did these creations of our genius depend upon? Upon force. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love. And to this very day, millions would die for him. I think I understand something about human nature. And I can tell you, all these men and I am a man. All these were men and I am a man. None else is like Jesus. Jesus Christ was more than a man. I have inspired multitudes because he, he conquered all of Europe. I have, I have inspired multitudes with such an enthusiastic devotion that they would die for me. But to do it, it was necessary that I should be visibly present. The electric of my influence, my looks, my words, and my voice, I had to be present. When I saw men and spoke to them, I lit a flame of self-devotion in their hearts. But Christ alone has succeeded in raising the mind of man towards the unseen that it becomes insensible to the barriers of time and space. Across the time of 1,800 years, Jesus Christ made a demand which is beyond all others difficult to satisfy. He asked for that which a philosopher may often seek in vain at the hands of his friends or a father of his children or a bride of her spouse or a man of his brother. Jesus asked for the human heart. He will have it entirely to himself. He demands it unconditionally. And when, he demands, and when his demand is granted, wonderful, in defiance of time, space, the soul of man with all its power and faculties becomes a part of the empire of Christ. We're in that kingdom. And he said, all who sincerely believe in Jesus experience this remarkable supernatural love towards him. This phenomenon, phenomenon is unaccountable. It's altogether beyond the scope of man's creative power. Time, the great destroyer, is powerless to extinguish this sacred flame. 
Time can never exhaust its strength nor limit its range. This is this uh, this it is which strikes me most, and I have thought of it often. This proves to me quite convincingly that Jesus is God. Come on. He understood what it was to be a king. He understood, and he knew just like the centurion soldier said, I'm a man of authority. You're a man of authority. Jesus never killed anybody, never did anything, but he had authority in another realm. And he recognized that, and so did Napoleon. He recognized that Jesus was king. So the people that Jesus, when he rode the donkey in their, their worship, they're wanting a political man to rise up and take care of Rome. They're tired of Rome beating them, a government this, government that. How many of y'all hear government this and government that today? But Jesus didn't come to take care of government. He came to take care of you. And that's why we need Jesus as king in our life, in every area of our life. We need to recognize who he is. I, I want to say again that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And they couldn't see it. They was waiting. They were waiting to crown him king. And when, they, when he was who they wanted him to be, they worshiped him. But when he was who they did not want him to be, they crucified him. We're not going to be that people. We're going to worship our king. No matter what it looks like, we still have to worship our king. Number two. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Number two, Jesus brought his kingdom to the earth. His kingdom. The king's domain has been brought to the earth. They'd never seen anything like it. This man healed the sick, raised the dead. This man's fighting a battle in another realm not taking over the, po the political reins, he, took he brought the kingdom of God to set men free, to set women free. His kingdom is victory. His kingdom is love. His kingdom is joy. His kingdom is peace. His kingdom is gentleness. His kingdom is kindness. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I want to follow somebody like that. I do. I do because I need that gentleness and kindness. And I need it so much that I need to start acting it out. Mm, 1 John 3, 8. This is the kingdom Jesus came to destroy. And I'm going to skip for this purpose. For this purpose. The last half of this scripture. Find it with me. Look on the screen. For this purpose. Everybody say, for this purpose. Well, uh, the Son of God was manifested. You can read it. Yeah. Jesus appeared, born as a man, born as a baby, lived as a man. He manifested himself on the earth. The Son of God showed up on the earth. He came to the earth. For what purpose? For what purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. And he is king over the devil. The Bible said he made a show of him. He grabbed him by the horn, if he has a horn, or the ear, and drug him through all the other demons that followed him. And said, you the one, y'all follow this? You follow this? In his own, in hell he did that. Woo! He's my king. And he has defeated the devil. 
Come on. And, and so this purpose, so wait a minute, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He forgave people of sins. Who does he think he is forgiving people of sins? He healed the sick. Who does he think he is healing on the Sabbath? He's Jesus. That's who he is. He's the son of God. He's the king. Will you let him be king in your life? Can he be king? He came to destroy the works of the devil. Look at what he did. Forgave sins, work of the devil. Healed the sick, work of the devil. Sicknesses of the devil. Calm the storm, storms of the devil. <laughs> Come on. Little bitty things. Drove out demons. They're of the devil. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense, doesn't it, huh? <laughs> All that he did was to destroy the works of the devil. My, he's our king. I'm in his kingdom, his domain. You know, Jesus didn't just come for, give us a few words to be okay and to live okay. He came to set us free. He wants you free. He didn't come to leave you in the mess that you were in. When you got saved, he wants you to step into the kingdom of God and to live his kingdom, live his ways. Man, to do the way the king wants it done. You know, in America, we're about freedom, and I like my freedom too. But guess what? Jesus is coming back to, as king. You better get ready. <laughs> He's coming back. You know what? I'm going to help him rule and reign. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? A on your sheet. Look at A. These are two, two keys right here I really want, to, want you to get a hold of. Okay? Look at the first one. Our part is to share the kingdom. We have got to share the kingdom of God. If you're a child of God, you need to be sharing the kingdom of God. Well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I, that's kind of hard. Uh, I, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a kingdom. He didn't say to be that. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the good news. Tell the kingdom is here. Jesus is here. He's here. He's in me. He's in you. Is it strong enough in you that you could share it with somebody? Come on, uh, car drivers, truck drivers in here. Do you know how to drive well enough to train somebody to drive? I should hope so. Let me know when you're driving if you can't. But hear me. As a believer, we need to know what we believe in because the devil comes to whisper in your ear and talk you out of your salvation. You need to know it so much that you can share it, that you can declare it, that you can proclaim it. He said go into all the world and get a job and earn a living. He said go into all the world and get married and have kids. It's all a part of it. You need a job. It's great to have a wife and kids, but we're supposed to be proclaiming the kingdom. We're talking about eternity. This life is, and it's gone. I was in high school yesterday doing this. <laughs> Getting the hair out of my eyes. It was like yesterday. I can remember. Come on. Our life is short, but this life is where we proclaim Jesus Amen. and we live for Jesus. Not for the next high, not for the next 
woman or man that we want to chase, not for the next this or that. We're chasing Jesus. We need to be a pursuer of the kingdom of God. So our part is to share the kingdom, pursue it. Matthew 10, 7, he sent out the 12, those special 12. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, the 12 disciples. Oh, they were special. And he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, go preach, saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Well, that, that's the 12, Pastor, because, you know, they, they were there to help start the church. Okay, I knew you was going to question that. So we're going to go to Luke 10, 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70. Who's the other 58? Who's the other 58? People like you. People like you. People like you, go tell it. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the valley. Go tell it. Go tell it. Go tell it. It's time to start telling it. And he sent the 70. He sent them two by two before his face to every place where he himself was about to go. I'm going to tell you the kingdom of God's coming. <laughs> Scared to just be peace on you in Jesus' name. No. <laughs> But he said, go tell them the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus is coming. We're going to prove it. We're going to, what can I pray for you about? What can I do? He's proven that the kingdom of God is at hand. He sent the 70 out to every place that he's going to go. I got her. And he said, and so think about that. You're preparing the way to go. We were talking yesterday about seed. You're, you're, you're a farmer. Plant seed in people. The seed of Jesus Christ. Put hope in them. We talked last Sunday about joy. Joy it can't, does not work without hope. And this world needs hope. There are people, your neighbor, the people you work with, they need hope. And you're tired of hearing them griping and complaining and moaning and griping and complaining. Then give them some hope. Here's a hope sandwich for you right here. <laughs> Let me make you one. Come on, make them a hope sandwich. Give them some hope to live for. Because they're living in their own self. And this world's going to hell. And it's hopeless. But we serve a God full of hope. And we serve a son, the son of God, who's our king. You know something else that's pretty good? The Bible says Jesus is my brother. It's good to have my brother as king. Woo! See, I have favor with my brother. He's my king. And he has authority. He has ordered to do things for me and give things to me and, and to bless me and to help me out when I'm in trouble. But as, 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 as a prince in the family, I also have responsibility. And as a princess in the family, ladies, you have responsibility. You got to share the kingdom of God. We got to go out and start telling him. I, 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 I read that verse 1. Verse 9 says to heal the sick. Verse 19 Put verse 19 up there for us if you have that. It said, Behold, I give you authority. I read it all real quick. Behold, I give you authority. I read verse 1, verse 9, verse 19. Authority. As a prince in the kingdom, I have authority. Well, what kind of authority is he talking about? Spiritual authority. I'm the pastor, but I don't have any authority over you. You can live your life any way you want to. I try to proclaim why that God wants us to live, and I have to live it to the best of my ability too. And you don't judge Christianity by Pastor Brett. 
You judge Christianity by Christ Jesus. He's the perfect one. And I'm trying to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing him like Paul said. I have not arrived, but I'm chasing him. Amen. I want to be like him. He's my king. He's my king. He's my hero. He's the one. But look at verse 20. I want to just touch on this because this bumps into B. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you know what our, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life? Rejoice. But you rather rejoice. We serve God from joy. I'm glad to serve him. Guess what? Because I serve him doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. Has nothing to do with it. My king paid the price for me to go to heaven. I'm already going to heaven. If I quit serving him today, I'd make it in. I would. But he's called me to help him to serve people, to love people, to tell people about Jesus. Somebody said, you know, if you wasn't pastor church, what would you do? And I'd still be telling people about Jesus. Because before I was full-time ministry or before I was, uh, did youth ministry, I was going to the jail. I'd go, we would go and sing, you know, uh, at, at the retirement center. And we would sit on the side of the road and sing. And we'd go to AA meetings and we'd sing about Jesus. So we went to the state fair and we'd proclaim Jesus. I'd still be doing that. We have to be in that mode to proclaim Jesus. B, we've got to serve the kingdom. God's called us to be a servant. Jesus was a servant. Do you know Jesus washed the disciples' feet in this week? What is that about? I won't touch your feet. Gross, huh? Oh, yellow, crooked, long toenails. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gross you out, won't it? But wait a minute. Jesus did it to say, look, I'm the king, but I'm your servant too. Wow. Wow. He washed their feet and submitted himself to them. Wow. To come and serve us. He's still serving us today. The Bible says that even though he's seated at the right hand of the Father, that he makes intercession. He, Jesus is praying for you. Yes. He's praying for, his, for the best to happen in your life. Yes. He's still our servant. What should we do? We should serve him. We serve him from joy, but rejoice. Mm -hmm. You know, they said, well, we did this and this and this and all these demons. We healed the sick. Ah, that's not it. That's part of it. But rejoice, serve from joy because your name's written. That you're, I'm in the family. Hey, I'm in the family. And it don't matter what I do. I'm, I'm in the family because, you know what? My kids did stupid stuff. I did stupid stuff. My mama said, you're not my son anymore. No, she didn't. She said, I love you. Don't do that anymore. And when I was little, it was pop, 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 pop. Do that a little more, you know. We think that's the way God is, but he's not. He's giving us his word saying, this is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Look at Jesus, how he lived, what he did. Well, I can't do that, Pastor. I can't either. But with Jesus, we can. As we pursue him, the spirit of God starts rising up in us. And we start, we start getting an unction. You know, I need to help. I want to help them. 
I want to help them. Let's help them. Let's do something for them. Oh, man. David had the same compassion when he thought about Jonathan's children. Where's Jonathan, my brother? Where's Jonathan at? He's my friend. He's my covenant partner. Where's Jonathan's family at? I want to bless his family. Man, Jesus had that same compassion. Jesus had that same compassion for not only the people in his day, but the same compassion over us. And he wants us to be filled with his compassion. Compassion is not feeling sorry for somebody. It's helping somebody. It's being moved to help somebody. And Jesus went out and he, and he could have, they killed John the Baptist, his cousin, the one who knew all about him, the one proclaimed him coming. They chopped his head off and it, it, hurt, it broke Jesus' heart. And he could have said, boys, go get some swords. We're going to storm the castle and we're going to kill Herod. Jesus stopped, took control of his emotions, looked at the multitude that was about him, and he turned and he started healing the sick. And he started, it's where he started feeding people and healing the sick. And, and he started, he moved with compassion. He turns his broken heart to the compassion of God. And he started destroying the kingdom of, of the enemy. Kingdom of the enemy is what killed John the Baptist. Jesus retaliated. Man, by setting people free. John the Baptist is in heaven. Jesus knew that. Still broke his heart that he wasn't there. But he moved with compassion and started, and he brought the kingdom to those people. Isn't that awesome? Really washing somebody's feet, what he, he was giving up control. That's what, we got to give up control. Jesus said, I'm doing what the Father wants me to do. I'm a servant. The other point I want to give out is that Jesus taught us to love one another. We serve from love. We love people. You know, I think it was Oral Roberts that said that we hate sin and love people. But the church for so long hates sin and they hated the people doing sin. Ah, Jesus broke that in half. Well, probably in 40 pieces and threw it in the ocean. Because he went to the drunkards. He sat down in the bar. <laughs> I watched a 1930 movie. It was black and white one time, and, and, and I'd love to have it again. And Jesus is in there, and the disciples are outside because that place is unclean. And they weren't allowed to go in there. And they're looking in the door. Jesus, come out of there. Peter's yelling at him. Come out of there, Jesus. You're not supposed to be in there. And Jesus is in there ministering to people, loving people. He was making followers. If you get too religious, you won't make followers. You'll run them off. How is, those, how is a drunk going to get saved if you don't talk to him? How is somebody going to be delivered out of whatever unless you minister to them and show them the love of God? Woo! We want people free. We say we do. But are you going to get down in their vomit and hold them by the face and tell them about Jesus, man? I had a friend of mine that would get in the drunk tank. Yeah, you, yeah, I ain't going to describe it, okay? We just did. And they're shackled hands and feet behind their back, and he's got them by the face and telling them Jesus loves them. Sober up in the name of Jesus. Sober up and hear what I'm telling you. Just laying in it all. Did not care because God sent him there. That's where we got to move to have compassion and to move with people. And, you know, some of us aren't goers. I don't know that. But some of us are senders. 
You're one or the other. You're giving some money to send somebody or you're going to go yourself. And God will use every last one of us. He wants to use us. We're in the kingdom. We're in, we're, we're, we serve from love. I want to tell you, nothing breaks down walls like love. Why do we have greeters and ushers and people like that? Because we just want to love people all the way in here. It's our heart. It's what we're supposed to do. And when we go out in the community, folks, mind your P's and Q's. You represent Jesus. Even behind the wheel, get out of the way. We represent Jesus. Number three, we're going to land this airplane. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? This is where Jesus gets on the war horse. Revelations. He gets on the war horse. Ha, ha, ha. Jesus will return as the conquering king. He's coming to conquer. We need to get on the winning side. If you don't know Jesus, you got to get on the winning side today. Look at Revelations 19, 11 through 16. We're going to read it real quick. Look what it says. Now I saw heaven. John's right, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. He makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. Woo-wee! Jesus is coming. Coming on a wide horse. Let's finish reading it. Verse 14. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen. Wait a minute. That's us. Smile at somebody said, that's me. The armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now we see Jesus coming to do battle. He's not doing battle now. He's still the servant king. He's trying to get people into the kingdom. But this is when the church is taken out and Jesus comes back and everybody's full of hatred and they rejected him, they rejected him, and they rejected him. And now they're going to say, who is this? They think he's going to take our kingdom, take our control. And the armies in heaven clothed, they, we're on white horses too. Yes, Lord, I will ride. Amen. Verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. I don't want to be under that, and I'm not. I've missed it. Glory to God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Can you say King of kings and Lord of lords? Verse 17, finish with this. And these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And leave that scripture up there just for a second. And those who are with Him are called chosen. Say, I'm chosen. I'm, chosen. I'm faithful. I'm and look at, the, look at the big K on the King, that's Jesus. The little K on the King, the big L on lords is Jesus. The little L is you. The little K kings is you. The little lords is you. Well, I, 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 I'm from, I'm from Arkansas, Pastor. I, 
Ain't nothing special in Arkansas. I almost said somewhere else, but I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We have to change our mindset. We're kings and priests. We're lords. I'm not king over her. She's not queen over me. I'm a king of myself. I'm going to live for the kingdom of God, and it's going to flow out of me where I can help people, minister to people, and it will help me live life. But it would also help me to overflow into other people's lives. That's why it's important to be a king. If you don't know that you're a king, you'll never walk in your domain. You'll never walk in the authority that King Jesus gave you. So stir your heart up to start walking in your dominion. Start walking in your love. Start walking in your peace. And this is by the Holy Spirit right here. What? To walk in my dominion, what, what do you mean? Because the Bible talks about there are flaming arrows from the enemy that are shot at you. How about daily? How about every five minutes for some of us? Flaming arrows. What are those thoughts? Take dominion over your thoughts and say, nope, that's not from God. I can take dominion. The Bible says to cast out that thought. I'm just another sermon altogether, but it's about the Spirit of God. Some of y'all deal with thoughts and you shouldn't deal with them. You should cast them out. You know, when that flea-bitten mutt comes in your house that don't belong to you, you deal with it right then. You don't say, well, come over here, Scruffy, and let it fleas and stuff get in your house. You run it off. Run those thoughts off. That's by the Spirit of God. Some of us are dealing with thoughts, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I want stop. Tell it to go. And replace it with the love of God. Hey, won't you bow your heads just for a second? Have you received Jesus as king? Your king went to the cross. He died on the cross for your sins. He died just for you. Matter of fact, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus went to the cross. The joy, there was no joy in the cross. The joy was in seeing that you would get saved, seeing that you would receive him as Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Have you accepted him? I'm asking, will you accept him? For the first time, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you want to accept him for the first time in your heart, Will you pray a prayer with me this morning? Would you lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? Anybody? Just keep meditating. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see your hand. Now, there are people in here that you haven't been living for God. You haven't been serving Him. You haven't been following Him like you ought to. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that, but I want to ask you to check your heart. It's time to start living for him, serving him, making him first place. We're all going to pray this prayer together. And if that's you, you want to rededicate and recommit your heart to Jesus, to serve him, to live for him, to show the love of God for him. There were three people that raised their hand today. Let me pray over you. Come on and pray with us. Everybody say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me and cleanse me. Come into my life. 
And Lord, I commit to you my life freely and wholly. I receive you as Lord and Savior and help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Are you ready to share him? Are you ready to serve him? Is he your king? Amen, amen.